Hello, everybody. Isn't God good? Yes, he is. Everybody stand up for just a second, please. Amen. I'll wait on you. Yeah. Yes. Now, hug somebody's neck. Come on. You can go over there. Hug somebody. Tell them you love them. Tell them you love them. Oh, all right. That's enough now. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Ah. Amen. Love covers a multitude of faults. <laughs> Hallelujah. You can be seated. Amen. I'm Batman. <laughs> oh, Lord. I tell you what. Welcome. 
Uh, it's welcome to um, Wednesday night Bible study. We're in Ephesians. Let me tell you something. That is great. Ephesians, we're having a great time. We're learning. We're changing. Uh, there's just lots of stuff going on. So let me get to the announcements. Um, Overcomers tomorrow night at 7 o'clock at Area 51. Amen. It's good stuff. Uh, we have intercessor prayer up here on a Tuesday from 9 to 11. Let me, if you can't make it here, which I, which I work on that day myself, Find you a little bit of time and pray. Intercede. Intercede for this church and pastors and missionaries and, and, and so on and so forth. So find you a little time to intercede with us, okay? Amen. So uh, also uh, Area 51 Senior High class, they're having their, their camp uh, June the 12th through the 16th. Uh, you know, it, it, this is uh, the theme this year is the last days, and we're certainly uh, living in the last days and the last seconds. You know what I'm saying? So this is time for our students to get away from their normal routine and, and learn from God. The camp that we, that we have uh, is absolutely awesome, and let me tell you, they've got some good teachers, and, and they'll learn how to uh, be used by God. God uh, they were created for this special time right now. That things that are going on uh, in the world today, uh, that's what this youth was created for. It's a good time. Really, it's a good time to be alive. It really is. So, also, they have uh, uh, trained kids in camp. Uh, this is for second grade up to the fifth grade. Uh, I think their theme is, let's get uh, wild about Jesus. So, we have to get the Word of God into our, into our youth. Amen? And, and, and you need the Word of God uh, in your life. You know, it doesn't make any difference how, uh, uh, how old you are. Uh, you're always learning, always progressing, always going forward. Never, never quitting. So our offering, uh, you know, there's ways, to, uh, uh, ways that we give. You have a text to give. Uh, also, we have uh, on your app. You know, be sure to look up on the app. There's all things uh, and other bulletins and and stuff on there that you can uh, that you can see, that you can learn. So there are also envelopes behind the seats there. There is uh, a bucket back there in the back that you can uh, uh, put your offering in. Uh, give, give. Yes, yes. Are you a giver? Amen. Amen. I said, are you a giver? Yes. You over and above. Over and above. You know, it's, it's, it's time to uh, give over and above. Amen? Give more. If God is the God that's more than enough, you should be more than enough too. Amen? So I'm going to get ready to pray over the offering. I want to tell you one little bit of testimony because I ain't going to take nobody's time. Uh, in the, uh, we have always been a giver for 49 years. Uh, Zelma has, the Lord has taught me to live and, I mean, to, to give. And Zelma also, I remember years ago, uh, you know, I was making 100 bucks a week and Zelma would give tithe. And I said, oh my God. You know, she'd always give more than, more than the 10%. I said, that's my, you know, this is 48 years ago, folks. I said, you know, that's my money. I work hard for that $100. You know? But, it started increasing and increasing and increasing and increasing. Let me tell you something. When you give for 49 years, uh, that's a pretty good account. (laughs) 
You know, there's been times I haven't made a whole lot of money and stuff. And well, most all the time I haven't made a whole lot, a whole lot of money. But God has always made the increase. So, uh, how many people here work uh, at, at a job? I mean, that you work at a job. Uh, come on, guys, who you work at a job? You want to raise? Hmm? You want to raise? Give more. Come on. Give, give what you want to make. Uh-oh. I said give. We did it. Give what you want to make. Uh, give what you want to make. I remember when I was making about 80 bucks a week. Zamo was paying $25 tithes. Because we wanted to make $250 a week. $250 a week. And then the mayor came in and see me in the store. The mayor of Fort Gibson, Oklahoma, came in there and said, Here's how would you like to be a police officer? I said, Oh my God. A police officer? Yeah. I said, Sure. Sure, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, hang on. Why not? And no people, yeah, you can laugh because a lot of people laugh when I was a police officer. <laughs> so, so anyway, anyway, I said, Yeah, I'll go ahead and do it. And I said, How much does it pay? And he says, It pays $250 a week. Mm, that's awesome. May I encourage you, where you're working, to give. As you give to God, he will give to you favor. He will give to you favor. He will give you raises. He will give you increases. I'll tell you something real quick. In the last year, in the last year, now I work because, uh, oh, I love working. I mean, I, ain't, I, mean I, I got my little social security, but that ain't nothing. Uh, in the, in the last year, I have gotten, is gotten a word? Okay, I have gotten, okay. I have gotten, I have gotten a $6 an hour raise within a year. Within a year. That's from giving, and that's from planting seed, and that is from loving people. You have to love to give, and when you love to give, you will see the increase. Do not gripe about giving. Do not complain about it. Rejoice in it. And when you rejoice in it, you will see an increase. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for this offering tonight. We thank you, Father, for the offering Sunday. We thank you, Father, for the offering that we're, uh, that we're receiving for the mission over the Gonda, that I thank, Lord, that it will be more than enough. It will even surprise some people how much it is. We thank you, Father, and we appreciate you, and we honor you, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good evening, Lake Church. Amen. Hallelujah. How many love Harrison? Amen. Well, you have to. Praise the Lord. He's always got wonderful stories, good testimonies of the good things of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, we've got some needs in the body that we need to lift up tonight. We have a young, one of our young thunder kids that uh, is facing some situations with their kidneys, uh, little Riker Lee, and uh, we want to pray life into those kidneys. Amen. And, uh, you know, the mama is a believer. And uh, she's standing in faith, and we're just coming in agreement with her. Amen? 
because her prayers have the authority, amen? And we're just backing her up, amen? So we're going to believe God that life will come into those kidneys, cause them to refire and start and be better than they ever have been, amen? And basically, he had an infection that was causing them to be, you know, work hard and, you know, causing some some issues there. And they've got him on a dialysis dialysis, dialysis machine, and we want him off of that in Jesus' name. And uh, we want that infection totally cursed and out of his body. Uh, Then also, we have some others that um, are facing, you know, situations. Sue Hodge, uh, she was put into the uh, hospital in Cushing just recently. She's just been having some issues and and difficulties. Uh, they don't know quite know what's going on. It might be medicine related, but we want to lift her up as well. Uh, then also, uh, our good friend Dennis Amelia, who is our, one of our overseers of the camp. Uh, his father is quite up in years, uh, but is battling, you know, sepsis from a uh, sore from a bed sore, and so we want to come against each and every one of these things. Amen? The Bible says, whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. And we are the legislative assembly. That's what the word ecclesia means. Amen? We're the legislative assembly. That means that we are the assembly that is on the mountain, that is overlooking the community, and is speaking what shall come in and what needs to go out. Amen? And uh, hallelujah, we've been seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we have the ability by his name and in his name to be able to speak to these situations and see them transform and change. Amen. How many have been healed by the power of God in their lives? Amen. Amen. Praise God. A good amount of you have been healed by the power of God. Well, then you know, you believe, you understand and know that this is a reality. And so when we pray for these, we need to pray as if we're in their shoes. Amen. We need to, you know, we have the ability to, to, to wrap our prayers in the fact that we are one with them because they're a part of the same body we're a part of. Amen. And when one member suffers, we all suffer, the Bible says. So we don't want any more suffering. Amen. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, just reach out your hands and just imagine these young ones. If you know them, see them in your spirit, see them in your mind. Father, we lift up little baby Riker right now in the name of Jesus, and we speak life to his kidneys, life to his body right now. We come into agreement with the Lee family. We come into agreement with them right now in the name of Jesus, and we declare life, life be in his kidneys right now in Jesus' name. We curse this virus. We curse this infection. We command it to die, to cease and desist in all of its maneuvers in the name of Jesus. And we declare him totally healed and whole in Jesus' name. We lift up Sue, Father God, and we speak to whatever is causing the problems and the disruption in our life, Father. We bind it in the name of Jesus and we cast it down right now in Jesus' name. And we speak life and health and vibrancy to her right now in Jesus' name. Quicken her according to your word by your spirit in Jesus' name. Make alive that which is dead and cause new life to spring forth in her right now in Jesus' name. 
We lift up Dennis's dad and we speak life to him. We come against this sepsis right now in the name of Jesus. And we curse it right now in the name of Jesus. And we command it to die in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We know that he's up in years. But that doesn't mean he has to die of sickness and disease. We curse it right now and declare that he will not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. And we speak that right now in Jesus' name. And we call it done because it's in your name, in the name of Jesus. And we know that the name of Jesus is the final authority over all things that have been created in the heavens, in the earth, and under the earth. In Jesus' name. And everyone that agrees with that prayer, say amen. Amen. Praise God. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. Praise the Lord. You get anything out of Ephesians? Amen. So like I shared with you last week, we, we basically showed about the, the system. And uh, that, that is vital and important for you to understand. That man's condition before Christ has three aspects to it. He says you were dead in your trespasses and sins. The word trespasses is very interesting in the Greek. It actually is a word that means unknown sins. Sins that you don't know that you're committing. Just simply because you are lost and you are, um, you know, fallen. Amen. But then he talks about trespasses and sins. And the word sins, hamartia in the Greek, means known sins. Aren't you glad... That Jesus died and paid for all known and unknown sins in your life. Amen. Then he goes on and he says that you're locked into a system. So fallen man is locked into a system. He's locked into the aeonos of the cosmos. That means the times, seasons, and the various um, uh, social mores of a specific period of time in a system. And this world system is meant to keep you in lockstep with the devil's agenda in your life. That is where we're getting a lot of the things that are happening in our world, where our young people are embracing things that other generations would not embrace. It's because the matrix reboots. It upgrades. Amen? And depravity doesn't get better. Depravity gets worse and worse and worse. And people say, oh, well, it'll just get better. We'll get back to the old normal. No, you're not going to get back to the old normal because we're on a collision course with the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that means this thing's wrapping up and the devil knows that his time is short. And so he's continuously tweaking the system. To keep you deceived, to keep you focusing on things you don't need to focus on anymore. To get you to not see what is truly truth and what is really real. To get you to chase after things that aren't really substantive. That's where he wants you. He wants you. So if that's not bad enough that you're dead and your trespasses and sins and that you're locked into a world system that is against you, not only anti-God but anti-you, anti-human to enslave you and to keep you, you know, to kill you, you've got your flesh and you've got your carnal mind. And I'm telling you what, that is a dangerous duo. Amen? I tell you what, your flesh will want to do things that you would never thought 
But the carnal mind, man, the carnal mind that's hooked into the flesh. The Bible says to be carnally minded is death. And so when we operate in the carnal mind, we operate in the realm of death. Because death isn't just about cessation of life. It's, it's actually quality of life. There is a condition of life that has been put upon the human race through Adam's transgression that is known as death. And it means that it is an existence that is separated from the life of God. Amen? And so we don't function right. Unless Jesus is in our lives and unless we're connected by the Holy Spirit, we don't function the way that we're supposed to function. We don't operate the way we're supposed to operate. We don't think the way we should think. And if we think that we are somewhat good people, good this, and we do good things, we're mistaken. We're absolutely mistaken. Without Christ, we are not good. Because Jesus is the only good thing that's in me. Because in my flesh, the Apostle Paul said this, in my flesh there dwells no good thing. My flesh has to be bridled. It has to be brought into subjection. And God has put the onus on me to do that. He's not going to bridle my flesh. I have to bridle my flesh. That's the reason why in Romans chapter 12, it says, I beseech you, brethren, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable worship or service. You've got to present your body a living sacrifice. God doesn't present your body. You present your body. And sometimes you've got to present your body and put it up on the altar almost every five minutes. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? Because your flesh, it wants to be ugly. It wants to say things that it doesn't mean. It wants to gossip. It wants to slander. It wants to fulfill its appetites. It has to be brought into subjection. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, the Apostle Paul says, he says, I'm not a shadow boxer. He says, I don't just punch to, to fill the air. He says, when I punch, I punch to hit the mark. Amen? He says, I bridle. I bring into subjection my body, and he calls it it. So that it. So guess what? Paint yourself. You just got introduced to it. Now, most of us identify ourselves physically. We look in the mirror and we say, that's us. That's not true. Oh, come on now. Wake up. That's not you. I'm sorry. I know you think you're handsome. I know you think you're beautiful. I know you think you're God's gift to all humanity and that your flesh is the most beautiful flesh that there is. But I'm here to tell you that's not you. That's not you at all. Amen? Greater is he that's in you. You've got a greater. You know, Smith Wigglesworth said, I'm 10,000 times bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. Amen? You are far superior on the inside. And you are beautiful. You are glorified just like the Lord Jesus Christ. And you look just like him on the inside. Praise God. Amen? And when he appears, we're going to appear just like him. Amen? Because as he is, so are we in this world. So our earth suit, our bone suit, isn't us. Amen? And But it has to be subjected. It has to be subjected. And if you are carnally minded, that means that your flesh is not under subjection at all. 
Your flesh is going to do whatever it desires to do because the carnal mind will side with whatever is going on in your flesh. And if your flesh is stimulated to do something a certain way, your mind's just going to go along with it. But when you renew your mind with the Word of God, you increase the capacity for your spirit to influence your mind and to cause your mind to get different information. Because there's two areas in which you receive revelation from. You receive revelation from your circumstances and from where you're at. I know there's a chair here. I see David here. I, I, you know, I'm, I know where I'm at in my physical circumstances. So I understand my information. I know that it's relatively good temperature in here. I understand all of these things. But there's other information. There's intrinsic information that now I have access to that I didn't have access to before. So that means that I don't have to rely on outward information to walk in life and to achieve in life. I can operate by faith, which is a spiritual force, which is a spiritual substance that I can operate in supernaturally and overcome the natural existence that my body lives in. And that's how it works. We take what God has put within us, we allow it to come forth, and it begins to affect our physical existence. Amen? Praise God that if you confess the Lord Jesus Christ and believe that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Amen? And that's the same way. Thou shalt be healed. Amen. Thou shalt be prospered. Thou shalt be delivered. Thou shalt be exalted. Come on. Amen. So you've got these three things that are taking you down and you can dress it up all you want to. You can wear polyester, tease your hair to Jesus Come on. You can look all religious you want to, wear, you know, fish symbol on your wallet, whatever. But that doesn't mean a thing. There's a lot of sophisticated barbarians out there, friends. Amen? It's a condition of the spirit. It's a condition of the heart. And we were lost and dead in our trespasses and sins. We were subject to the mores, philosophies, ideas of this world system. And we were locked in to fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the carnal mind. And that's the condition we were in. If you knew what Jesus truly delivered you from, you wouldn't complain another day in your life. But most people don't have any idea. In fact, this stuff isn't preached anymore. This isn't preached anymore about the fact that man is lost in his trespasses and sins. You know, Jesus has become like a patch, you know, like, like a nicotine patch. Give you a little zip and a zag, you know, when you need it, when you're feeling low. No, I'm telling you, he has to become our life. He says, I'm the vine. I'm the vine. I'm the vine. I'm the vine. Well, the life source comes from the vine. We're the branches. Amen? We're the fruit-bearing part, but he's the source. And if we don't stay with that source, there's a lot of branches that aren't hooked up to the vine. 
and don't even see a need for the vine because they're relying upon their own good works and their own good moral behavior. And none of it matters. It's filthy rags before the Lord. Amen? All right, that was free. All right, okay, all right. So, as we endeavor to go down to um, verse uh, number 11 is where we're going to start tonight. We're going to talk about the effects of the cross, not just in our relation to God, but in our relation to one another. You see, the cross doesn't just affect my relationship vertically, but it affects my relationships horizontally. Amen? And some of the things that we're seeing in our culture today, which have always been since the fall, prejudice and racism, are things that the cross has eradicated. The work of the cross has eradicated those things, and it should not be mentioned within the body of Christ. Now, the world, it's going to function, though, in the system. And the system is about division. The system is about creating sides. The cross is about, you know, we, they talk about inclusion and, and all of this wonderful stuff, tolerance and things of that nature. And really, they're not tolerant about anything. They're not tolerant, you know. They're only tolerant if you believe what they, what they believe. Hello? Hello? See, the word liberal has been hijacked. Liberal just means a broad-minded individual. And, you know, I believe in, in you know, having a broad mind but not letting your brain fall out. Amen? <laughs> but that's not what liberal means. Not, not in today's society, that's not what it means. You know, it has different meanings to it. And I told you last week that the enemy loves to take the definitions of words and twist them, make them say something else. So that the intrinsic power within the word, which is the definition, is hijacked. And the power cannot be released from that word because it's not the right definition. Okay? Okay. And so we have an idea. We talk about conservative and we talk about liberal. Well, here's what they're saying these days is, you know, liberal, you know, has to do with, you know, uh, left-wing stuff and things of that nature. And that's not necessarily what it means at all. But then they get over to conservative and they're ma- basically making it synonymous with Christian. And that's not true. That's not necessarily true. Amen. You've got to understand that, that yes, majority of people that are Christians are going to be conservative by nature, but that's not the defining characteristic of being a believer. Amen? There's people that love conservatism more than they love Christ. It's an ism, guys, and an ism is created by the system. You've got to understand that. That labels come because we're in the matrix. We're in the system. And the system wants to label you. Wants you to be known by certain characteristics. But the cross changes everything. The cross transforms us into a new creation. Into a new species of being. Into a new nation. 
Jesus came to create a new species of being. A hybrid person with a fallen flesh suit, but the holy of holies on the inside. Treasure in earthen vessels. To where our outward man is corrupting, is decaying, but our inward man is being renewed day by day. Where the kingdom of God dwells and abides within flesh. It's a species of being that never existed before. Never existed before. Adam wasn't like you. Hello. So the cross is really the remedy for all of the societal ills of our culture. But yet it's rejected. And the enemy and even some of his own people will use the cross... To bring segregation. Prejudice. And even racism. And in fact one of our founders of the church. Was Vivian Hines. Who's one of my spiritual mamas. She moved into a community. Not too far from here. And bought a home. And about three days into Taking over that home, there's a burning cross in her front yard. See, I'm telling you, the devil is perverting the message of the cross. Because what we're going to read here is we're going to see that the cross is the cure for prejudice. Hello. Come on now. You don't need to be a part of the KKK, you don't need to be an Aryan. You can't be and be a true Christian. You can't be against different people. There's no such thing as different people. In fact, there's no such thing as races. See, the Bible needs to be our definer, not the culture, not the system. The system wants to create races. Because it wants you to believe that you're in a race. And that we can't let the people of this color outpace us in the race. Mm, Come on now. No, the Bible says that he has made of one blood all people. There's not them people. There's not those people. There's no that people. There's just people. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm telling you. If you believe in a blue-eyed, white, blonde-haired Jesus, you're mistaken. He's a dark man. Come on now. Hallelujah. And we've got to understand that God, through the cross, has reconciled all men. Now, whether we, whether we receive that or not, it's up to us. 
But as far as, as you know, Jesus said, he said, he said, the world doesn't hate you, but it hates me. He says, because I show it that its deeds are evil. See, Jesus merely walking the earth as the last Adam. He began to show what man was supposed to live like. And it threatened the religious people because religion is a part of the system. The Sanhedrin was a part of the deceptive system of the serpent to keep the people of God in bondage. And Jesus says, he that hath the son hath life. He that hath not the son does not have life. Drove them crazy. Amen. He even looked at them and said, you're of your father the devil and the works of your father you do. They were the most rigorous religious sect of of the society of Israel. But yet he pointed to the fact that they did not have the right nature. He told Nicodemus, you must be born again. Born of God. Amen. Amen. So let's look at this. It says, therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision. Now, the word Gentile is just simply anyone that is not a Jew, anyone. Any of the other cultures that came out of the Tower of Babel when God disinherited the nations and spread them out and gave, you see, the the sons of God rule and reign over them. And of course, they created different pantheons of gods and began to worship other gods, those fallen angels. They are called Gentiles. And basically, if you look up modern translations, they'll use this, outsiders. Outsiders. Okay? So, anybody who is not in covenant with God in in this time before Jesus was considered an outsider. The Jews were considered insiders. Because they had a covenant with God. The only true God. All other gods are false. The only true God. And so they were considered insiders. And he begins to tell them that you were once called Gentiles. You were once called uncircumcised. You were once called outsiders. But notice what he says. You were called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, speaking of the Jewish nation, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time. Now notice he always speaks in the past tense in regards to this. He's assuming that his readers are all right with God. And he's sharing the fact that at that time in your past, this was your condition. Notice what he says. He says, you were separated from Christ. How horrible was that? Alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise. Having no hope. 
See, there's people out there right now, tonight, that are in this same situation right here. Having no hope and without God in the world. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Without God in the world. The word without there means separated from. And that's where we get the fact that spiritual death is not cessation, it's separation. It means we're separated from the source. We still exist, but we're not attached. We're disconnected from the source of life. And we operate in an existence of sin and death. But when we get hooked back up, we become, praise God, connected with Christ. We're no longer aliens to the commonwealth of Israel because guess what? We're being grafted in. Amen. We're being grafted in with Israel. And then it says that we're not strangers anymore. We're not strangers to the covenant and to the promises. We have the hope and we are not without God in this world. Amen. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We that were far off, were strangers, outsiders in this spiritual condition. We have been brought near. So it shows us that we didn't bring ourselves. He brought us near. God is the initiator of everything. We saw that in the first chapter of this book. That God initiated the redemptive plan. God made the plan, Jesus executed the plan, and the Holy Spirit is revealing the plan to you and I. But it's the blood of Jesus that's the basis of how we have been drawn near. That blood has cleansed and washed us from all sin. Amen? It is the life-cleansing flow that came into our lives and that caused us To be reconciled to God. It says, for he himself is our peace. Jesus is our peace. Amen? Amen. Peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is the presence of God. When peace comes into our life, Jesus comes into our life, he says, my peace I give to you. Amen? Not as the world gives, give I to you. But my peace I leave with you. He said, listen, his peace can't be taken away. Because the world didn't give it. And the world can't take it away. And it's the same with his joy. He said, my joy I, I give to you. See, these are things that are already inherent within you. If you're born again here today, you have the peace. Well, I'm not experiencing peace, Pastor, today. I'm in turmoil. Well, that doesn't mean it's not there. That doesn't mean you don't have access to it. You know, it's just like, you know, when you tuck that $20 bill in your wallet for, uh, you know, an emergency, and you forget about it, you run out of gas, and you don't have no money on you. It doesn't mean the $20 bill wasn't there. It just means you forgot it was there. 
you end up having to do something else. I've done that myself. You begin to have to do something else about it. But I'm here to tell you, friends, peace is always with you. God dwells on the inside of you. The Prince of Peace lives in your heart. So therefore, that peace can be released because he is our peace. Amen. Hallelujah. He is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. What he is sharing is that both Jew and Gentile can now receive the work of the cross which causes them to come together and become one new creation. Amen? What does Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 17 says, Therefore, if any man, Jew or Gentile, outsider or insider, is in Christ, they are a new creation. They are a new creation. Now, people will, you know, sometimes they they get confused and and they say, well, why don't you worship on the Sabbath day, you know? Why do you worship on Sunday? Well, Sunday was the day that God said, let there be light. That's the start of the creation week. Jesus was raised from the dead on the first day. Of the week. Come on now. He created what? A new creation. Just as the initial creation was started on Sunday. Hello? And then proceeded Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and God rested on the Sabbath, which was Saturday. The creation, the new creation started at the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. On the first day of the week. <clears throat> Amen? Hello? Now, w- one thing that I find interesting here is he's talking to Gentile believers here, and he says that you were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. It says that you um, were strangers to the covenants. But yet it's amazing to me how Gentiles want to put themselves under those things that they were not obligated to. Oh, you don't like this, huh? I tell you what, you know, I'm not going to wear no yarmulke. I'm not going to, come on now. I enjoy understanding the culture of the Jewish people. I enjoy it. I enjoy the secret and hidden things that are in the Torah. I enjoy all of that stuff. I enjoy the way the rabbis translated the word, the way that they have different things that they use. I enjoy it and I learn because Christ is in every bit of it. But I don't have to live by that law. 
Hello. I don't mind if you want to celebrate the feast. I don't mind that you want to celebrate Passover. I don't mind that at all. But Jesus fulfilled it. Oh, this gets hardcore. People don't like this. They don't like it. Hello. But it's the truth. I was never called to celebrate Passover. Jesus is my Passover lamb. And see, that's what the Jews did not like about the Gentiles receiving Christ. They said, no, 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 no. You can't have it that easy. You've got to go through what we went through. There's a whole lot of Christians like that too. You know, you see someone coming in with that fresh joy of salvation and said, just wait. Just wait. Just wait. You have to go through. I. No, you've got to go through what I went through. You've got to do what I did. And that's the reason why they were provoked to jealousy, just like the Bible says. You see the prodigal son's brother. Prodigal son comes in, gets received, gets the signet ring, gets the robe, gets established back into right standing without anything other than saying, I'm not worthy to be your son. And what did the brother do? He threw a stinking nasty fit. Hello. But Paul is teaching us that the cross puts the prodigal and his brother in one body and makes them a new creation. That's what he's saying right there. Notice he says it takes care, it kills the hostility. Well, what's the hostility? Well, outsiders and insiders. It still goes on today. Insiders fighting with outsiders, outsiders fighting with insiders. No, the cross takes care of that. It kills the enmity because we were all under sin and death. The cross took care of sin and death for all people, everybody, not just the Jew, but also the Gentile. Amen. And that was something that they just did not like. You know, Jonah had a problem with it. He didn't even want to go preach to Nineveh. Went the opposite direction. Went through a place where he was disciplined by the Lord. Vomited up on the beach. Came up and preached, repent. That's all he preached was repent. Repent. And guess what they did? They repented and God changed his mind. Did you know God can change his mind? No, when God does something, that's it. It's absolutely. It's God. No, God changes his mind a lot of times. He changes his mind with Moses several times. When they were down there messing with that calf and worshiping, you know, Baal again. He says, step aside, Moses. I'm going to incinerate him. I'm going to kill him. And Moses said, nope. If you do it, he said, Egypt's going to say that you weren't big enough to take care of your people and take them in there. And God says, well, you got a point there. Now, does that mean that God didn't know that? Absolutely he knew that. 
He knows everything. But it's amazing how wonderful our God is that he wants our interaction and he wants our input. Even though we're created beings and he's the creator. He likes to work in group. That's why he has a church. That's why he has angels. That's why he has the divine council. He likes to work in tandem with people. Amen? I love Abram back when Lot is in Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and God says, I got to go tell Abraham what I'm about to do. I got to go tell him because he's my covenant man. Why? Because God is looking for partnership in the earth. He's looking for partnership in the earth. And he begins to say, you know what, Sodom and Gomorrah, we're going to, it's going to be destroyed. And he said, listen, Abraham started talking the language of God. And he said, listen, if we can just find, you know, what was it, 20, 30 people? <laughs> you know, if we can just find 30 people. If we can just find 20 people. If we can just find 10 people. If we can, come on now. He, he knew what Sodom was all about. He was probably counting all his relatives, you know, trying to figure out how many. But he was speaking the language of God. God desires partnership. Hello. You find a very strange scripture in 1 Kings at the end. I believe it's around the last three chapters where it's the story of Ahab. And Ahab is about to go into a war. And uh, Ahab has done atrocious things. And God says, how are we going to, uh, how is he going to die? And he asks angelic hosts and other spirits how this is going to happen. It's amazing. Stuff that you don't think about. Stuff that you don't necessarily, it may be in places where your Bible pages still stick together. But it's there. Because God works with others even though he is the creator even though he is he is the great master planner he loves to to work with others amen hallelujah so notice this it says in verse 17 and he came and he preached peace to you who were far off those are the gentiles And peace to those who were near. Talking about the Jews. For through him we both. We both have access in one spirit to the Father. We are joined together by one. There's not a different spirit for the Jew. There's not a different spirit for the Gentile. There's one spirit. We're all born of one spirit. What makes us family is because we are each born of the Spirit of God. What connects us together is the Spirit of God on the inside of you and on the inside of me. And it doesn't matter. Well, let's look at uh, back over to Galatians. Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 28. Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 28. Notice this. There is neither Jew nor Greek. We could put Gentile there. 
There is neither slave nor free. So these are all the barriers that the cross has broken down. There's no Jew. There's no Gentile. There is no slave. There is no free. There is no male or there is no female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Amen. Go over to the book of Colossians. Just another couple of books over. Um, Colossians chapter 1, and uh, Colossians is a companion book. It's kind of a condensed version of Ephesians. And it says this in verse 16, it says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, speaking of Jesus, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him. And for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. Notice this phrase. He is the beginning. Now, he's not talking about John 1.1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He's not talking about that. We know that he was a part of that beginning. But when he took on humanity and he died and rose again in our place as our substitute, he became the beginning of a new race. When you use that, a new species of being. You're not like normal people in the world. Did you know that? Now, you might think, well, I, you know, I put my pants on the same way. And, you know, some of you jump in it, I know. <laughs> or there's nothing special about me. Don't, don't say that in the sense that, you know, you, you know, you understand that you're not like. In Adam, all die, but in Christ, all are made alive. So the, the, the main characteristic that is different from those in the world is that you have life. Yeah. Zoe life. Life as God has it dwells and abides in you. And you are not a mere human. Hello. Oh, some of you are looking at me strange. No, let me finish this scripture and I'll show you scripture that proves that out. It says right here, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. He's the firstborn. You're the second, third, fourth, fifth, five millionth, six millionth. Come on. We're all born from the dead when we receive Jesus Christ and he comes into our heart. Amen. Now let's go to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter, no, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. After six years of ministering to this bunch, he has to get on to them for being carnal Christians. Now you wouldn't happen to know anybody like that, would you? Yeah. Amen. Hello. Carnal Christians are alive and well. Amen. They're always cooking them up a bowl of chili con carnal. 
Now notice what he says in verse number one. He says, but I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, even though they were, even though, notice he calls them brothers, so they've got to be in the family. Now, if he said, now I told you, and he's speaking to the general public, that could mean that there are saved people and unsaved people. But he's not talking to them. He's talking, he said, now brothers. So he's speaking to family. Okay. I could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. So it tells you this, that if someone that is infantile in their relationship with Christ, it's going to be manifested in carnality. Amen? People that don't grow up spiritually are carnal. What does carnal mean? Well, most people have an idea that carnal means dirty and impure and porn and all this stuff. That's not what carnal means. Carnal means body ruled. It means that your flesh continues to sway over and influence your mind. You are a carnally minded believer. You have your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but you have hell on earth because you haven't renewed your mind to the Word of God. Hello. You're still operating like a slave, and you have no shackles on you because Jesus has made you free. But you're still walking around like a slave because you're enslaved in your mind to the carnal appetites that are in your flesh. Notice what it says. He says, I fed you with milk and not solid food, for you were not ready for it, and even now you're not even ready for it. Because you're still of the flesh. Your body ruled. You're carnally ruled. For while there is jealousy and strife. Those are number. The King James says where there are divisions. Envies and strife. Okay. That shows you right there. That this person's operating in a carnal mindset. If you're continuing to be envious over other people. And what they have and what they do, you're operating in a carnal mindset. If you're promoting division in the church, in in your business, in in your company, in your home, people do that in their own home, you're operating in a carnal mindset. Envy and strife. If you're filled with strife, there's people that they can't live without being in strife. Did you know your television was made to keep strife in your home even when you're not in strife? Did you know that the music you listen to is meant to bring strife into your home? Do you know that all this stuff that's coming in through the airwaves and coming in there is meant to continue a strife-filled environment? Hello? Cause you to get all up an edge? Some of you need to turn Fox News off right now. You need to just stop it. Stop it. Hello? Tucker's gone. Get over it. (laughs) amen but people get in strife I've seen people's blood pressure rise when they watch the news I've seen people go to the hospital because strife that means that you are not a spiritually minded believer because what you listen to has to be looked through the lens of scripture And when you see what's going on in the world today, and you might put it up to the lens of Scripture, the Bible says that he that sitteth in the heavens laughs 
when he sees what man is trying to do on the earth. And guess what? You'll get that same perspective if you'll be in the Word. Oh, so many fear-filled believers. They're fearful of the next pandemic. They're fear- fearful of what's coming upon the earth. You're not supposed to. Jesus said, when you see these things, look up, for your redemption draws nigh. See, we're not supposed to be looking at those situations. We need to be looking and awaiting the appearance of our great God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? We, we need to stop getting in, drinking the world's Kool-Aid. Amen? But notice what it says here. It says, For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only, notice this, in a human way? Notice that. Boy, that's pretty strong language. Hello? Operating in a human way. Now notice it says, For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? So if you're merely human, if they're acting merely human, that means that there's an existence higher than that. It's called the new creation. New creation life is the life you and I are supposed to live. We are supposed to live a higher level of existence. Now, most people, they don't have any awareness that there's a higher level of existence because of the way the gospel has been preached is been receive Jesus and go to heaven. But that wasn't even Jesus' message. Jesus never one time preached that. Not one time. Now, do we go to heaven when we die? Thank the Lord that we do. But that was not the gospel. That's not the gospel. The gospel is about bringing heaven down in you. Amen? Because when heaven starts residing in you, you can't help but join yourself to heaven when you pass. Come on now. Because you're born of God. See, Jesus came and preached the kingdom. The kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is here. That's what he came to preach. He didn't preach, you know what, just believe on me and one day when you die, after a horrible existence, (laughs) as you just crawl through life like crawling on shards of broken glass, at the end, I'll be there. And it'll be a glorious day. But don't ever expect anything on this life. Don't expect anything. It's a bust. It's a bust. Everything we put up. No, that's not the gospel message. Because why would he heal the sick in droves if he wasn't about bringing something right now? Why did he not? Why did he perform miracles of abundance, multiplying loaves and fishes, if he didn't mean to do that in your life as well? Amen. Amen. Hello. I remember my mother-in-law. I'll I'll end with this. My sister-in-law had gotten into a little bit of a mishap. I won't go into that, but uh, she got into a mishap and. and so I went to go check on my sister-in-law because I'd helped her out of the situation that she was in. And 
and my mother-in-law, who is a godly woman, she's, everybody just thinks she's Jesus' mom or aunt or something, okay? She's a very godly woman, okay? And, uh, you know, she's wrestled. You know how sometimes you wrestle with your kids? You wrestle with where they're at and where they're going and things that they're making, you know? How many know what I'm talking about? Say, yay, Lord. And so she's, she's sitting there, and, and uh, she said, now, and she said her name. I'm not going not gonna, to. She said her name. She said, now, daughter, she said, you need to run your race, and you need to let Greg and I cheer you on as you run your race. And Jesus will be at the finish line with his arms open wide. And then she thought for a minute, at least I hope so. <laughs> Have you ever had somebody you was dealing with? You just, oh, at least I hope so, you know. Come on now. But I'm here to tell you that racism and prejudice and strife that we're seeing propounded. You need to turn those people off. I cannot believe some of you listening to CNN and listening to MSNBC and letting those race baiters get you filled with strife. Hello. In fact, race is the, is the key word today. It is what they're using to delineate and divide people. And that's exactly what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24. He said, ethnic group will rise against ethnic group. But that's not us. Because we've been reconciled to the cross. And if we've been reconciled to the cross then we must understand that God has reconciled all to the cross and that there's no division or delineation. I tell you what, Jesus meant business when he said, if any man come after me, let him utterly deny and forsake himself. That means I can't identify. We're, we're all about identity today. Well, I identify as this, and I identify as that. I mean, they're even bringing litter boxes into the schools because children identify themselves as a feline. And that's how they're going to go to the bathroom. It's a system. I understand that. This is true, real stuff. I'm not making this up. Are they gender identification, fluidity of gender, things of that nature? Okay? But Jesus tells us that we're to lose our identity in this life. It says there's neither Jew nor Gentile. That means the culture is moot. Oh, but people don't like that. People like that. They'd rather be Indian than Christian. And Jesus doesn't teach that stuff. Jesus does not teach that stuff. Hello. People hold on 
to their ethnic, you know, identity when they need to be identifying. This is this 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 um, short circuits the manifestation of divine life when you identify other than a new creation. I have to. You don't know what your identity is? Do you really want to know what your identity is? Whether you're male or female, whether you're rich or poor, whether you're anything. You don't want to know what your identity? Jesus. Hello. That means I have to forsake and move. You know, Moses gave us a good illustration of this in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews. It says that he forsook being called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I'm telling you, that cost him his life. That cost, that put a price on his head. That cost him everything. He was on the, the he was in position to become Pharaoh. But he forsook it. Jesus says you got to forsake it. He says you can't find your identity in whether you are from here or from there. You know, all these, you know, in Ancestry.com. Why do you want to associate with those bunch of fruits and flakes? Listen, if you want to break the power of generational curses in your life, of generational things that come through your family line, the best way is to identify as a new creation and to first. Doesn't mean we abandon our family. I'm not telling you, some of you saying, oh, I get to abandon my family. No, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is I don't associate. If grandma had Alzheimer's, does not mean that I will have Alzheimer's. Does not mean that my children will have Alzheimer's. I don't care. The, I got a new family tree, and it's right there. There it is, right there. I don't have to operate in that family tree. Because guess what? Divine life has come into me by virtue of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe God, the Holy Spirit, the one who hovered over the waters, God spoke and he generated what God spoke, lives on the inside of me. And I am not a mere human that is subject to a family tree. I am a new creation born of God, which is identified with the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension and seating of Jesus Christ. I am one with Him. That's what Ephesians teaches us. That's what Paul is showing us. You need to get up every morning and say, I'm the healthiest 56-year-old man on planet Earth. Not because I eat grape nuts. Not because I'm eating those bars that Kevin eats. Not because I take a spin class. Not because I joined a gym. 
I am the healthiest 56-year-old man because of the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension and seating of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am one spirit with Him. I am identified with Him as He is. So am I in this world. His resurrection life abides in me. And the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells on the inside of me. And that same spirit will quicken, make alive, regenerate, refire, replenish, renew, strengthen my mortal body. The Lord is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's lift our hands to the Lord and thank Him, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Father God, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Glory to God. Thank you all for coming tonight. We're going to have a wonderful time finishing up Master Class this uh, next Sunday. And we're going to be getting into some new stuff. In fact, we're going to take a break from Ephesians after tonight and pick it back up in August. We've got a good uh, teaching on divine life that I think will be a great blessing to you on Wednesday night. So keep coming. It's going to be good. But, uh, you know, invite people. Are you getting fed good? Amen. Well, if you've got a good restaurant and you'd like to invite people to try it out, Invite them. Amen. God is good and greatly to be praised. Amen. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.